On the Jacob Beer Show today, I'm sorry for that, but I'm sharing as reality. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. It's hot, but I'm fine. Awesome. And uh, if you don't mind asking, where are you joining in from today? Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Awesome. Interviewed a person from that area about a year ago. My first question wasn't a question, but what got you involved in music? Uh, you went to some very extraordinary colleges that focus on the arts. What got you involved? Let's see. I think I always wanted to be a singer. And uh, we had music in the house growing up. Always, always around, you know, music was always around. So I tried to do that for my kids, too. I just always loved music. And, um, you know, I, I just always wanted to be a singer. Awesome. And you ended up going to the um, Juilliard School. Um, what was that experience like as well as some other prestigious? What did you learn from there that helped you today? Well, I have to say that, um, so, you know, um, my parents did not want me to be a singer, Jacob. You know, for them, that was not a good career, you know, path, because they wanted probably for me to be in a more secure uh, career path, right? They wanted, they probably would have rather that I would be an architect or that I would be a doctor, you know, something like that. And, but I just always wanted to be a performer and I always wanted to be a singer. So my dad actually said to me, he said, um, I'll only pay for voice lessons if you uh, get into Juilliard. And that's sort of a catch-22. You know, you sort of have to already know how to sing in order to get into Juilliard. So first I actually had gone to college. I went to Vassar and I got a degree in art history. And then I went to Parsons School of Design because I was talented in drawing and I got a degree in interior design and while I was at Parsons I then started to take uh, voice lessons because I was in New York City and I made jewelry and I I had a bunch of jobs you know on the street like I just I don't know I, I worked as a receptionist I worked as a waitress I did all kind of jobs and it took me actually three auditions to get into Juilliard. Wow. It took me a long time. It took me three years to get into Juilliard because it's very hard to be accepted to Juilliard. It's a really hard uh, school to get into. And so what I would say to people is, you know, that it takes determination, you know, and it takes really uh, knowing what you want. And uh, um, yeah. And once I got in, it took the same thing because it's a hard place to be in because it's very competitive and you're surrounded by people who also really want that career. And so what does it teach you? Uh, it teaches you how to be in a really competitive um, career, right? Because it's not an easy career. That oh, no, it's not enough for my cousin's experiences. How competitive is just getting to high school, musical school in the city? Uh, you had to audition every year up until right. I graduated a couple months ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did. You, so you had to re audition just to stay in? Yeah. So he had to, uh, he's now going to Concordia, my cousin Graham. Uh, shout out to him. But uh, he 
um, had to audition and they'd always take time, I believe in the winter time or something like that. And they would have to re-audition. So once you get in, it's not one of those things where it's like, if you get into pro sport, you're good. Like, you know, you got to keep proving yourself and getting better at that. I didn't know that. Well, in Juilliard, once you got in, you were in the program, but you had to audition, let's say, to get into if there was an opera or something that you wanted a part in, then you had to audition to get into into the opera or something like that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you took a little bit of time off for music. Uh, well, one, once I got out of Juilliard, then I started my career as an opera singer. And uh, I, I did quite well at the very, very beginning, but then I did want to have my children. And, uh, you know, this is the difference between being a woman and a man. Men who are opera singers, you know, tend to be married and then the wives have the babies. But as a woman, it's sort of hard to do both, right? Right. So once I had the kids, I, I, it was hard to have a career at the same time, yeah. Now, um, what would you say it was like the first time you went on stage to do a solo? Um, what was that? What's that experience like? Well, that was in grade two. <laughs> and oh, I, wow. And to tell you the truth, it was horrifying. And I forgot my words. And I, I stopped in the middle. So I remember I was eight years old. And I, I very nearly never did it again. Wow. Yep, I do remember. Yeah. Um. And what, I guess, would you say, going from there, what did you learn out of that? Most importantly, if there's something that you still remember from today that you had learned all the way from back then. That I guess I must really have wanted to get back up there, get back on the horse and, 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 and sing in public, right? So this is what I tell people, by the way, who, who study with me. And, you know, if you have that desire to be a performer, it's sort of like a fire in your belly, right? that you know you really want to do it so and i say to them don't do it unless you really 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 want to you know that it has to be like a burning desire that you really love doing interesting well that's very good advice for anything i feel like as well in life um, podcasting even for me or for playing a sport right i agree with that what and you know my dad used to say that too he, he used to say if you do something you love then it's not work i've heard that from many people including some teachers mm -hmm. yeah. um what of course was it like once you started getting bigger gigs and things like that um you even got to do i believe something like carnegie hall sure i've sung at carnegie hall and i've even sung at the metropolitan opera wow uh, have you been to, I was trying to find, but I couldn't. Have you ever been to the Sydney Opera House? Oh, I've been there, but not to sing as an artist, only to, uh, I've seen it. It's a very beautiful, beautiful opera house. Yeah. What is it like at Carnegie Hall? I got to ask, or oh, do you have wonderful. a favorite place? I've sung, there, I've sung there three times. Carnegie Hall is a wonderful place to sing because the acoustics are so great. And the Metropolitan Opera is a wonderful place to sing because it's so huge and because it's so well run. And, uh, you know, everything is done in such a marvelous, uh, exceptionally professional way. Uh, there's a reason why these places are, are so famous and, and people flock from around the world to go there because they're really done beautifully. I loved, I, I sang at Sarasota Opera, I loved it, Canadian Opera, I loved it. 
Paris Opera. I loved it. I have to say, I've, I've had a wonderful time in that career. Um, I'm sorry, what was your question, honey? My question was, what would, what was, what has been your favorite place to perform at? Mm. It's a tough one. Uh, I just had a great time everywhere I've gone. I don't know. Um, I think your favorite place to go is wherever you are right now. Interesting. You well, know, Carnegie Hall is definitely one of my dream places to see some sort of performance just mm -hmm. because it's, I've walked past it. It's, it's dynamic. It's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. The, the acoustics are amazing and you it's, it's huge and it's, it's marvelous. It's wonderful. Beautiful. Absolutely. And um, what has been, I guess there's different forms of opera um, and that you just mentioned you have done some, I didn't um, say so I was going to ask this prior, but it just hit my mind. So if you don't mind me asking it, what is your favorite form or your current form that you're doing um, right now? So I've moved a little bit away from opera, you know, as you get older. And uh, now I am singing more, well, I, I'm singing modern pieces as, as they come up. And I'm also moving into jazz. I love, always have loved jazz. And um, I'm moving away from opera because as I like to say to people, opera is a young person's sport. You know, opera is really hard and it's a cardiovascular workout. And, um, you know, as you get older, you, 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 it's just hard to do. Very, very hard. Uh, it's a tough workout. So what I, and I always have loved to sing jazz. So I've been doing Broadway and I've been doing jazz. And um, the last tour I just did was a jazz tour where I went to six cities promoting this new album I made, which was an album of the works of Michel Legrand, who was a brilliant French jazz composer. And you can find it on Spotify and on all of the streaming platforms. YouTube. And on YouTube, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then the one before that, I did a work, I did an album where I translated um, four, nine songs out of 14 on that album of Frank Wildhorn. And Frank Wildhorn is a very brilliant Broadway composer. He's uh, he's got like three shows opening in Seoul, Korea, and and Japan, and he's amazing. He just had an, um, a, a show open in uh, London, Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, <laughs> you know it's ironic that you say Bonnie and Clyde because we used to have a restaurant in the town that I live in that was called Bonnie and Clyde's Hideout. It had nothing to do with music, but. <laughs> It's, you know, whenever I hear it nowadays, you know, I don't think of the bank robbers, I think of that, but that's very interesting. I'm going to have to look more into detail, actually, on, uh, you said in London, correct? Yeah, just opened in London. Yeah, it's a great musical by Frank Wildhorn. And uh, so if you look that up, so I did an album of his, too. I'm going to make a second album with him next year. And, uh, yeah, he's wonderful. He just had a big opening in Korea. I think that one, that show is uh, Dracula. So he writes amazing uh, musicals. Very, very brilliant man. Interesting. And just a couple more questions I have is, um, was there ever somebody that had inspired you, a composer, somebody who had like kind of helped you out or a mentor um, along the way that, that you can think of that really had a big impact in you that inspired you, your favorite person to do work with? So I would have to say Frank Wildhorn is one of those people because when I was making the transition, you know, from opera, going over to sort of a new vocal technique, uh, I would say that he has been a great, great big help to me. 
So that would be Frank Wildhorn, big mentor. Um, and uh, my teacher, my voice teacher right now, Bill Schumann. And Bill Schumann is a brilliant, wonderful, kind man who teaches at the Academy of Vocal Arts in Philadelphia. And he also teaches in New York City. Wow. And he's a wonderful, great, great man. Um, and my, and just a couple more questions I have is, um, music related is what are your thoughts on, where do you see kind of opera going in the near future? Do you see any more for, especially for the next generation, yeah. where do you kind of see it going on that? Wonderful questions, Jacob. I have to say, so are you asking me, where do I see it going for me or for other people? Um, I'd say for the next generation, as well as yourself, um, mm -hmm. because there's new work coming up. Where do you see it specifically going as in as do you think new forms for me, of it? For me, I don't think it matters because I'm already, you know, my time and it is done. And if for me, the only thing it matters is as a teacher. So what I would say for me is let everybody just be healthy and people should know that they should just take care of their instruments and that the instrument is God given and just take care of your instrument. Don't sing too much too soon be careful because your vocal cords are this big they're the size of your little tiny little fingernail on your pinky that's how big your vocal cords are so be careful with them that's what i want to say but in terms of where do i see um opera going i think it's that's a fascinating and a wonderful question jacob so i don't know if you know but the metropolitan opera opened its season with uh, an opera that was a, a completely all black cast that took place in an all black town and it was a show called fire shut up in my bones Did you oh, know? Uh... Mm -hmm. a fascinating show and it dealt with the question of uh, sexual molestation okay a very taboo subject that i don't think had ever been even dealt with before Right. And really any music. Right. And 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 not only that, but like in a black town, like it was just wow, really wow. And not a white person in the cast. Wow. Right? So that was a really brave subject. Very fascinating. Right. And the music, you know, was very, very interesting. Not easy to sing. I bet. And they had some beautiful singers, really, really good singers. So it's fascinating. And of course, everybody was sitting in the audience with masks on because of COVID. And don't forget, it had been closed the entire, I mean, when, when the Carnegie Hall and Broadway and the Metropolitan Opera closed last, you know, in what year was it? 2020, March of 2020. I mean, I just cried. I just couldn't believe it. I, I never thought we would see that. I mean, nobody did, right? It was just a shock. It was So, you know, uh, we have to rethink, you know, how is the world going to be? And I think this is one of the ways that the Met is, is rethinking and coming up with new ideas and, and they're rethinking opera. So, and there's all this, this for example, Certain operas, like uh, Madame Butterfly and Aida, are, are having to be rethought. How will we perform them, if they're going to put them on at all? Because there are difficult questions that have to be asked about them. Can they be sung? 
Do you have to have only Asian singers or black singers or who's going to sing these roles? These are difficult questions. I'm not going to tell you my opinion on them because you would have to go into it and it would take too long. And they're very, there are legitimate questions about them. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So let's not go into it right now because they're, they're deep questions and big questions and I totally understand. And um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but we had a prior oh, talked about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm having a good time. I hope I'm not talking too much. Oh, no, it's awesome. Um, so your father was a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. Um, what advice would you really have for people um, or a lesson that he had specifically taught you as well as what he said about, you know, how we can educate people on it. So this is kind of a two-part question on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, what I would say, the most important thing that I would say to people is, you know, it's so important for people to be educated, right? And it hurts me a lot when people are not educated or are ignorant. And for example, deniers, right and i love that you asked me that question thank you and i love that you did your homework and 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 i want to say thank you very much for this interview so thank you absolutely and um you know um my dad passed away in 2014 at the age of 92 you know he was an older dad and like a lot of Holocaust survivors, um, we didn't know a lot about uh, his past as when I was growing up because he didn't like to talk about it very much. I think that the experience was very, very difficult for him. And um, what I would say to people is learn, you know, uh, try and find out and don't get your information just from the internet, right? There are so many books out there. There is so many different sources of information. Really try and find the facts. Let's find the facts. The Holocaust did happen. Um, millions and millions and millions and millions of people were affected, you know? And we are still experiencing cruelty to other people. I mean, we said that this would never happen again, and look at Ukraine, right? Look at Rwanda. Look at man's inhumanity to man is still happening. And we're still standing by and, and, and letting it happen. You know? We need to learn. Sorry for the beeping. We need totally to fine. Learn. I don't know if I answered your question. Yes, uh, you did. And then uh, what was the lesson that your dad had, I guess, kind of instilled in you? I know you said he didn't really talk much about it, but if there was a specific lesson, I know he's an incredible business leader I read up on. If there was a lesson that he had taught in you that had then also inspired you in something to, you know, fight against the odds, perhaps, because the music yeah. world is vicious like a sport. It's like yeah. football. It can be vicious. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So two things, many things. The most important thing I would say that he he instilled in us was education. 
education, education, education. Get the best education that you can. If it means educating yourself by reading, you know, by learning, by talking to people, and that anything is possible because that's what he believed. I mean, he was a survivor and he uh, was a scrappy guy, you know, and I guess he instilled that in, in us too, in, you know, that anything is possible and that um, I think he thought that, you know, if he could survive, that anybody can. And that, that uh, you know, he definitely believed, you know, I'm Canadian, but America, and that this is the land of opportunity, and um, anything is possible. If you, if you, if you believe it, you can, you can make it so. And I, I believe that, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And then one last thing, is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners who will be listening to this? Well, tell me, who, 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 is, who is your audience, so then I can... I can. Uh, yes. Um, so a lot of them are teenagers between ages of 13 to 27. It's wonderful. Which I think, you know, whoever I interview, no matter people who are like you vocalist or people who are pro athletes, because there are some good athletes in my town or whatever, you know, that's where you're really trying to find yourself, especially. And, and we have an arts program. We don't have an orchestra. We only have band and choir, you know, we're not, which we're very fortunate. Some schools don't have that. But, you know, really just to find, you know, what advice would you have for people specifically of that age, as well as I do have people up to the age of 85, 87 who listen. So, but I'd say, you know, more than a third are around my age. So I would say, if you, if you believe you can do it, that's, I really do believe that. I think keep doing what you're doing. If you want it, you can do it. And don't give up. Just keep singing, keep acting, keep doing music, keep playing sports. Do it correctly. Don't just say, oh, I can go out there and I can, I don't know, you know, throw spaghetti at the wall and see where it sticks. Obviously, you have to do it the right way right? You have to learn how to read music so that you can sing. You learn, you have to learn how to read music so that you can play an instrument, right? Yeah, you have to learn how to throw a ball so that you can play basketball, right? Absolutely. But once you learn your basics and you do it correctly, keep on doing it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Keep doing it. Do it correctly. Don't take shortcuts is what I had which I've expressed from that. I'm sure other people will as well. Yes. And, and, and if you love it, if you love it, keep doing it. It's not work. If you love it, as you had said previously a little bit ago. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the Jacob Ewer show. Thank you for having me and good luck.